Kairos Milwaukee United Church of Christ presents Stay With Us, a reflection by the Rev. Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, April 26, 2020. Please pray with me. Beloved God, help us to glimpse you as we move through the world, in movements large and small, in people and places expected and unexpected. Amen. A few years ago, more than a few. It happened when my older son, Caleb, who's now a 20-something, was a preschooler. We went with my parents to a farm that had both a dairy and an ice cream shop, a place where Caleb and his cousins could run around and look at all the animals and climb on the farm equipment. As I was strolling happily along on that hot Pennsylvania summer evening, a young woman stopped full in front of me and she said, Jeannie, how wonderful to bump into you. I didn't realize you lived in this area. And immediately an abyss opened in my brain. I knew her face, but I had no idea where I had seen it before. What part of my life was she from? Had I gone to high school with her? College? Seminary? Were we on the track team together at some point? In the choir? I had no idea. What made it worse was that she so clearly remembered not only me, but our former relationship. We chatted a bit about my son who was running around being adorable, which bought me some time. But finally, I had to come clean and I had to admit that I had entered some sort of fugue state and I had to ask her where we knew each other from. With obvious discomfort, she said, Denby Hall. It was like being turned right side up again because of course I knew her from Denby Hall. We lived across the hall from each other for the entire first year of college. I wonder if any of you has ever had that kind of face-to-face with someone who you think you know, who you ought to know, who you don't know. Sometimes this trick of recognition and lack of recognition works the other way around. In the year or two after both my father, my mother and my father's death, it happened with slightly alarming frequency, this jolt of knowing and not knowing. It's less frequent now and no longer alarming, but it still happens. I'll see a woman walking ahead of me, just a little taller than me, with broad shoulders and curly auburn hair and a certain strong, free way of walking. Someone tossing her head back to laugh. And for one brief, impossible moment, my heart lifts and my spirit cries out, Mom! And then I see, no, she is not like my mother at all. Or I'll see a man, tall, with military bearing, and a walk that is both swift and smooth. He'll tilt his head down to listen to a child beside him in that certain way. And suddenly, against all reason, my father is right before me, visiting one of my sons, now both grown and taller than me. 
These sightings used to distress me, but I increasingly see them as an invitation to joyful memory. It happens at home too. The generations live in each other. My niece gestures while she talks, and my aunt, her great aunt, is alive again. My son arches his eyebrow as he tells a joke, and my brother, who is alive and well and 60 years old, is suddenly 17 again. Most often for me, it is a movement that catches my eye. When we were in high school, my sister was taking a drawing class, and one evening she asked me to be the model for her drawing, for her assignment. All I had to do was stand still for one full minute and then time her for one minute. Her task was to look at me for that, for that first moment and then to draw for one moment without looking up from the paper. The result was astonishing to both of us. With just a few lines, she captured me coming through a doorway, the tilt of my shoulder, the exact cant of my hip and bend of knee. It was absolutely me and no other. But also, as we sat side by side looking at that quick and uncanny sketch, we both said at the same moment, Auntie Kate! Her movement, my movement, immediately recognizable even in a 60-second sketch. I wonder what this recognition and lack of recognition, this hint of knowing and not knowing, was like for the two disciples on the road, for Cleopas and his companion. I like to think that his companion was Mary, his wife, who's mentioned in the Gospel of John. They couldn't place Jesus when he joined them on the path. He was just another visitor heading out of Jerusalem after the Passover festival. The road was full of them. In a moment of high irony, he asked them what they were talking about. And instead of being tipped off by his question, they were stunned that he was so out of the loop. Everyone was talking about the same story. It had captured all of the headlines it was practically trending on Twitter. Like most people swept up in a good story, Cleopas and Mary were quick to tell both the highs and the lows of it, about Jesus, the mighty prophet, who they had hoped was going to be the Messiah. They told them what they had hoped he would mean to them and to their whole community and how he had died. They even mentioned that some of the women of their group had gone to the tomb and found it empty and seen visions of angels who said that Jesus was alive. And still, they couldn't see him. So lost were they in what they had hoped. An exasperated Jesus interpreted scripture for them, explaining the meaning and significance of his own death for their slow hearts. And though they still couldn't see him, some inkling that they ought to know him, that there was something there, must have begun to creep in. Because when they arrived at their home, and he made to walk on, they begged him to stay. I'll be you. 
Jesus, not always a very well-behaved guest, took over the host's role and broke the bread at the table and offered it to them. And in that most ordinary and Jesus-y movement, suddenly they saw him. This image of Jesus blessing, breaking, and giving bread is, of course, a cornerstone of our faith. The image of Jesus at the Last Supper, instituting the feast that we still keep. Christians repeat those words. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and he gave it to them. Month after month in our tradition, week by week among the Catholics and Episcopalians, the Lutheran and the Orthodox. The reason that that breaking, blessing, and giving had such power for the disciples on the last night that, that he ate with them was not that it was an unusual thing for him to do. Quite the opposite. Luke's telling of the story of Jesus is woven around two central images. One is of people on the road, like Mary and Joseph on the way to Bethlehem, like the man set upon by robbers and saved by the Good Samaritan, like the prodigal son who journeyed both away and back home again. And in fact, a good portion of the whole gospel takes place with Jesus and his disciples on the road together walking toward Jerusalem. No wonder then that he meets these two disciples on the road. And no wonder that they find him in the breaking of the bread. Because that is the other image, homely and ordinary. Jesus sits at a table and shares food with tax collectors and sinners, with men and women, with Pharisees and leaders, with 4,000 during a hillside picnic in the grass, with little people and powerful people, scorned people and respected people. He broke bread, blessed it, and gave it to them. Now they could see who he was. He appeared beside them and they wanted to share their story. He opened the scripture that, to them and their slow hearts took fire. Then he acted like his own everyday self and broke bread, and they knew him. I wonder what image you have of Jesus being Jesus. What movement or activity would capture him in a 60-second sketch for you? When you imagine Jesus, what is he doing? I invite you to take a minute and just do that. Imagine Jesus. What is he doing? For me, the verbs that spring to mind are talking, healing, touching, walking, and feeding. Maybe when you imagine him, he is reaching out to someone with a healing touch or tenderly gathering children around him. Perhaps your most enduring image of Jesus is him facing Pilate or praying in the garden of desertion. Or perhaps it's calling Mary by her name in the garden of the empty tomb. Perhaps you imagine him not just as the earthly Jesus, but the risen Christ enthroned in perpetual light.
for Cleopas and Mary, and for so many across time. It was Jesus's actions at the table that made him recognizably himself. So much so that even though he vanished from their sight the minute they knew him, they immediately got up and went back out. They retraced those seven long miles back into Jerusalem to report in to the others about what had happened to them. I love to imagine those two trips, the one to Emmaus, heavy-hearted and slow, sad, moving along in the warmth of the day, listening to a stranger talk about scripture, unsettled by his words, thirsty to be home. And then the return, joyful and fast, words tumbling over themselves in excitement and spilling over once they got back to the 11. He broke the bread and we, we saw him. Many of us have had the experience of the presence of Christ in the breaking of bread. It can happen at communion when we are all together, breaking bread in the sanctuary. It can happen around a family table where food is enjoyed and the stories of our days are shared. Even when we sit through a season of horrible, tense meals where no one is happy with anyone else, but we show up night after night anyway, and someone prepares and someone cleans up and everyone is fed and something holy happens, even if we don't know it for years. Maybe you've had the experience of knowing Christ over broken bread at Hoyt Street, or a meal offered to a person living in a tent who then turned around and invited you into the tent to enjoy that same meal. Maybe it's been at potlucks or community meals in our church or in your neighborhood. Maybe you've been with the Muslim community when they welcome the non-Muslim community to break the fast with them after sunset during Ramadan. I wonder where you have seen Christ alive. And I wonder, even in this time of stress and separation, if there are things that we have been given that would show Christ alive to the world if we were to break them, bless them, and share them. When life moves back toward normal, how will we demand that the world we live in echoes this pattern of breaking, blessing, and sharing? We who have experienced the living Christ, the still present, still walking with us love of God, how will we share the knowledge that love is alive? What food, what access to healthcare, what doorway to education, what access to equal justice, will we see it as our calling to share so that Christ is visible? How will we break what we have, bless it, and give it? The good news of the gospel is that no matter how long or weary the road, love is walking with us, doing what love does, ready for us to see, ready for us to run and tell. Amen.
listen, listen. 